1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Chase Rolson with RubLine Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Butt from Ball Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast.
2: Working class bowl podcast.
1: Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the working class bow hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Kurt. David T Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank
0: you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really,
1: really not that good. 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 Working class. Working class. Working work, work, class. Working work, 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 hunter.
2: It is episode number 228 of the Working Class Bow hunter Podcast. We are right here at 1600 Buckslayer Place, the beautiful Buckatorium, lovely Sherrard Illinois, mm-hmm. for everybody who doesn't live in Illinois, Sherrard Illinois, my name is Steve, Steve's, in the studio today is Kurtz. Hi guys. And uh, Tank Intern Tanks. Yeah. Oh, that one actually fits. I know. Do you like that? Mm-hmm. Des Moines. <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa, and Springfield, Illinois. Thank you are for some being capitals ears. for some Midwest. Do you have veteran
0: shout-outs? I do.
2: Do you want to hop right into it like that, bro?
0: Yeah, right out the gate. I don't feel so hot, man.
2: Bro, you're all right. You can be all right. I've over been there. sick
0: all day. Uh, <laughs> everyone listening, so if I don't seem to be as chipper as I usually am, uh, that is why. <laughs> Continue on with the veteran shout-out, please. I want. I'm like. I don't know if I should drink beer or not.
2: I, do, I, I, don't, I don't think you should, not in the state
0: you are. I'm on that uh, imodium, if you know what I'm saying. That's all the details we need to get into. <laughs> all you people who've drank that for before. Working class boyo your ass. <laughs> for, your ass. <laughs> for your
2: butt odor. <laughs>
0: that emodium.
2: <that> do <laughs> <laughs> the vet shout-out. And if you ever want a vet shout-out, go to workingclassbowhunter.com. Uh, we have a vet shout-out tab. We'll shout-out any vet. Doesn't matter if they hunt or not. This one is uh, for uh, Corporal Cliff, the Mick Smith, uh, it's from your, uh, your old buddy D-Rock He said this badass son of a wanker Could battle with the best of them Fearless Irish uh, And then there's a <laughs> three leaf clover Mick uh, He would have had your bloody back If his life depended on it So look, he's a marine out of Connecticut uh, Cliff Thank you for your service to this country We thank appreciate you, everything you do Keep on fighting that good fight And uh, thank you D-Rock for sending that in
0: Awesome submit a veteran shout out uh it doesn't really require much of us but we can uh do our part to just kind of shed some light on good people so go over to workingclassbowhunter.com right now and submit a veteran shout out while you listen you won't regret it it ain't hurting nobody this episode is brought to you by every episode is brought to you by elite archery and there's a few things why we need to talk about elite Archery right now it's not hunting season and steve i'm gonna let you talk because my stomach hurts
2: him, him, tum, tum, hoots. Uh This is the time of year where uh, I maybe talked about a couple weeks ago. You know, you're uh, getting ready to order your ritual, but uh, you should have already ordered your Echelon or your Victory X. It's 3D season. Or your ritual. Tis the
0: season. Huh? Or your ritual.
2: Or, or you can use your ritual. But, I mean... You can you, really
0: do anything you want. But
2: y- you really should own two bows. Or maybe three, four. You know, th- whatever the situation calls for, Elite's got you covered. Then you want to get, uh, you know... Uh, someone else who's younger smaller framed into archery you know they've got a bow for that too so why don't you go to elite com? it's that time of year mm. you need to get yourself a brand new bow and then get ready for uh hunting season because it's only a few months away so
0: yeah that's yeah. So scary i feel unprepared mm-hmm. which i feel unprepared every year um, also, Scent Crusher, and I think we should add a note that Scent Crusher teased a new item today that looks pretty exciting, mm. um, and we'll leave it at that. But Scent Crusher's got some awesome stuff. Uh, I was rocking the Ozone Go today in the truck for good reasons. What up, Imodium? And uh, <laughs> yeah, this stuff is actually its really awesome. It's going to help, um, especially on my Colorado trip, the gear bag. I can run cycles in the truck and uh, keep that mountain clothes Scent free when I'm sweating my ass off in it, when I can't come back and just take a shower at my leisure.
2: Well, you didn't need to plug it into into your uh, truck now, now did you?
0: No, but uh, yeah. way to make it awkward. But check out scentcrusher. dot com, <laughs> um, Episodes also brought to you by HHA. That goes right in with the old 3D topic or shooting archery topic. HHA single pin sights, lifetime warranty, veteran supported. They support our veterans. That sounded like the veterans support them. I'm sure sure veterans support them too. American made. Can't go wrong with HHA. Sniper hunting products. We're using the sniper trail cams. I'm using the cell cam. Badass right now, especially. Um, I'm going to go check all my other sniper sniper cams this weekend in the heat. Uh, I'm planning on doing that Sunday after Eric ties a freaking knot.
2: Yes. I've got a feeling that I'm going to find a brand new river. Where I uh, set my camera up—is it uh, underwater? You think, uh, dude? I don't. Th- I don't think that's underwater, but I think uh, where that where water would have ran through, there's a nice <laughs> little crick oh. running through mm-hmm. there now yeah. that was not there before. We're supposed to get rain Saturday too, so Ooh, we are? yeah. Mm-hmm. But Sunday's
0: supposed to be nice. That's why I might hang a stand and then check all my cameras on Sunday morning. There you go. Would you see my uh, Rope One out there for my? I'm- I'm actually making my own lineman's rope, man. Being, oh, I, I did see that. I'm, I'm being safe. So me and my dad got Ropeman 1s to mm-hmm. act as the whatever knot it's supposed to be What tank.
3: Uh, yeah.
2: You know, a, yeah. I, I don't remember knot? what the knot is called.
0: It's a but basically with, rope. with pressure on it, it doesn't slip and you can let yeah. off and slide it out. But it's basically a mechanical knot.
2: I Mm -hmm. saw that thing and I thought it was like a real fancy cigar cutter. I go, is Kurt getting into cigars now? (laughs) Cigar fishing (laughs) auto? Yeah, Yeah. something like that. (laughs) That's me,
0: guilty. Um, We have killer food plots on this episode. We do. Uh, We plan on talking what they offer, food plots in general, and this we're kind of talking to a lot of people that are dealing with food plots, and we got uh, big time um, in the future coming up here. Talk about some mineral and uh, maybe some mineral debate, too, so look forward to that. Uh, But, yeah, we'll get these uh, boys on here, talk about Killer Food Plots, see what they're all about, and we hope you guys enjoy.
2: All right, on the phone with us from Killer Food Plots, we're going to show a little mercy for Mr. Nick Percy. Nick, what's going on?
1: Hey, guys. Glad to be on. I appreciate you having me.
0: Thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, We always feel grateful when somebody is willing to take their time out of their day to talk to a bunch of idiots from (laughs) working-class bow hunters, so we're (laughs) thankful for you.
1: Well, you know, as it would be, right? You guys were trying to call me and leave it to plotting with the first There's always some kind of twist-and-turn-and-curve, and and my phone died just before you called me, so, you know we go with the slope. It's all good.
0: That's the best okay. way to do it. Well, I guess how we got hooked up with you was uh, you know the boys from Rubline Marketing. Uh, great yes, group really. of cats. Depends on who you talk to. We love them. Yeah. Uh,
2: Dude, I'm still yeah. undefeated against Big Mike.
0: Yeah, Steve and Big Mike <laughs> got in a fight, so that was cool. Still undefeated, bro. <laughs> That's good.
2: <laughs> He's a big guy. Yeah, I ain't scared.
0: Uh, well, tell us about who you are and how you got involved with Killer Food Plots and kind of how you got to where you are today
1: well i uh I started doing food plotting shortly after I got out of high school um I have a uh green thumb and my my buddies knew that and leave it at that and they wanted me to plant food plots for them i never i wasn't a hunter I was a fisherman literally when I wasn't in school or working, I was in a river and every hour morning, noon, or night it didn't matter that I could be in a river uh fishing so they asked me to, to try and do some food plotting for them. They were big bow hunters. and So I said, well, you know, I'm up for any challenge. So I started kind of playing around a bit, messing around, trying to plant food plots, failing miserably,
3: <laughs> and
1: really had no clue what I was doing in, in that area um, of growing things. And so second year, uh, I, you know, I'd done some research, not to be whooped by anything. I'm a pretty driven individual. I ended up uh, doing some different research, having minimal success, and later in the, that summer, after having some marginal success in the spring planting, um, I actually got involved with one of the biggest seed, you know, bigger seed companies in the industry, I, and the only one at that time, and I started working with them and getting some education, and and one of the guys that runs the research facility kind of took me under his wing, and I made myself an excellent student and spent about ten years or so using using their products, learning uh spending time at the research center, learning how to do certain certain things soil wise and the different species of seed and how they're different, and working with the growers and all that kind of stuff and and then became fairly successful about four years into it, three to four years into it, growing really good food plots, became an educator, uh, installer, started a side business. And, um, then I took that from just a, you know, just the cash helping buddies and friends and family and, you know, friends of family to a legitimate, you a know, tax ID number and, you know, and I'm trying to, get out of that hole ever since. Well, very cool. Yeah, I guess there is a build
0: there. You don't just, like, get into food plots and have a food plot company just in, like, a year. It Uh, seems like something very difficult. Because as a hunting community, community, as bow hunters especially who are taking food plots seriously or trying to learn, it feels like there's so much information out there that it's impossible to learn it all unless you're, like, completely engulf yourself in it.
1: Yeah, well, it, it it does seem overwhelming, um, especially, you know, if it's not something you work in every day or you have some kind of um you know, schooling or education or a farming background to understand the soil and sunlight and the combination of all those things. So but it's really I think it's more people tend to be a little afraid of it because because it is the unknown, right? So the one thing that has really i i learned early on is that I'm really passionate about what I do in in developing the food plots and and i I'm always trying to learn something new and when I look at things, I'm an engineer by trade, so I'm actually a an engineering manager, that's my day job, and I run my business about ninety hours a week um so <laughs> i you know, I figured out I don't sleep much. Uh, I love McDonald's iced tea, and uh, I drink it by the gallons. My kids, my kids tell me I need to stop drinking so much of it. but <laughs> That's my poison. But I really, uh, I, I'm just passionate about learning and growing and developing solutions. So, you know, we've developed some cool products for soil to grab and hold moisture, to build the soil back up, and that's a problem. It doesn't matter if it's Michigan or the twenty five other states we manage in in the in the US, um, or Canada for that matter, the soil has always had some part in the success or failure of a food plot. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I've really dug in and started to learn and understand and there just really wasn't any product, any one specific product or combination of products out there that That could help me have success as an installer, and you know we manage for Sentlock and several other 25 major companies in the industry. And with that, in 26 different states, you deal with clay, you deal with red clay, blue clay, Uh, you deal with rock, you deal with the combination of uh, Michigan. There's no bottom; it's the bottomless sand pit. Um, You know, there's there's or some combination of rocks or or Down in Ohio, you're dealing with very shallow soil on top of straight, you know, bedrock. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different challenges to actually grow food plots. But when you have some very key pieces of information, anybody can be successful doing it. And the right seed species to plant in the soil you have. That's the thing, right? Everybody wants clover or they they want to go right to this product that in clover, for instance, which is not always user friendly. The soils can't support it. They don't have enough moisture. They're not, they're not high enough quality. The pH as well, um, any number of reasons. Right. So what I decided early on is that if I was going to be able to be successful in the business that I had and I wanted to grow it into bringing more people in that the first focal point I needed is to be an educator. Mm-hmm. And out of all the information that I had learned and that I had gathered over the years, I needed to start sharing that with people. And that's really how Killer Food Potts came about. Um we are an eight year I've been doing this twenty eight years, but we are an eight year new company. Right? So I rebranded. I was um partners I had some partners from Wisconsin in a different seed business in between working for that large seed company where I was using the products and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I did about a three, just over a three year partnership, which didn't go very well. And I decided that I needed to pull the plug and walk away. Um, actually my accountant and my uh, lawyer said that took me to lunch and said, you need to walk away. <laughs> so, uh um, uh, before you drive nine hours in act 16 for 15 minutes yeah did they so, did they pay um,
2: for your meal because if they pay for your meal it's like uh yeah
1: i see the writing on the wall i gotta get the hell out <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah they paid for it all right yeah, <laughs> yeah i think they handcuffed me to the chair because they were going to make their point but i wasn't driving to wisconsin nine hours so <laughs> but uh um, you know, there's those things in life that get you stirred up, and that was one of them. But I, you know, I really, they had a vision and said, look, you know, you, you have put your heart and soul into this. It's not about the things that happen to you, and it's not about the things that are going, going on at the moment, right? And it was really good advice, and I got refocused on the goal. There's no other way you could work. 130 hours a week, like I do, if you're not focused on the goal, right? Yeah, you and gotta be goal passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and the, the thing that's cool is that, you know, everybody wants to kill the big buck, and, and that's your focus, and that's what you're, you know, a lot of times you're spending your hours prepping and preparing and putting food plots in and getting your blind right and buying camouflage and all the gizmos and gadgets for your bow or your gun or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for me, I love to help other people have success because to me I get to share in all of that cool stuff going on with lots of different people and and it's very rewarding for me Um, and it's a good thing because I only hunted once in the last four years. Oh really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I actually hunted in Iowa for the first time last year and um, I killed a nine and a half year old buck. That was pretty cool. Oh, that I had is awesome. Bucks around four, or fourteen other bucks around the tree when I killed this deer within twenty yards. So that was a cool experience. But, Did you kill them
2: off a food um, plot or?
1: No, I actually <laughs> we have food plots, but I was hunting the. I was. I, I don't often hunt over a food plot. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, I was hunting the transition between the bedding and and our food plots. Right. And there's a you know just the sneak tunnels that I built through the woods for the deer to to cruise and then bring them right down in front of the tree stand. So, yeah, it was it was pretty neat. They were migrating through and just kind of nibbling along the way and walking right down through the uh, the corridor and was able to get it done. So, Well, it probably feels like
0: success when you have customers that have planted your seed and kill big bucks over that. That's kind of like probably where you get a little bit of satisfaction of hunting to seeing other people, you know, be successful over your product.
1: Oh, a ton, a ton. And that just fuels me, right? And, you know, it, it fuels me to, to find new products and new opportunities and to try to reach out to more people. So, I mean, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show because this is, this is the best way to, you know, be able to share that knowledge, to be able to help people to realize that food plotting, although it may be mysterious to you because you haven't done it before, it's not difficult. It's just having some very basic understanding. Um, having some good direction and to your point you have to kind of work through all the minutia that's out there on the internet and everywhere else about what should I do or how should I do it it's pretty basic when right. it comes to food planting soil test is the first thing you should spend 20 bucks on and get done because it establishes the blueprint of what's going on in your soil mm-hmm. right otherwise you're going to spend how many you know say $130 on fertilizer you're going to spend X amount of money on seed and, you know, if if you're just going to kind of wing it and buy some power line and I'll throw it up in the air and go, well, I hope it works, and go back to watching <laughs> the football game, you know, waiting for season, it's probably going to give you marginal success.
0: Yeah, Cameron if, was just giving you, me the eye when you were saying that because <laughs> I just – before we had – we've done some podcasts with the, like other people with food plots, but – I didn't know all the information until, like, talking to guys like you that know food plots. I just – we planted. I didn't do a yeah. soil test. <laughs> I mean, think that it's growing. It looks like it's growing well. But like you said, I'm not going to get what I could have got out of it. Yeah, well, it helps right. when you're in the Midwest. Yeah, that does help. But we'll see. <laughs> so it's yeah. it, when well, you say that, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it, yeah, it's uh, – it's a, it's a no brainer, but you know, most people it doesn't pass through their brain. They don't even think about it because they don't know. Yeah. Right? They don't know that that's what they should do, you know, and that's kind of the point. You know, there's, there's a lot of information out there, but it's, it's confusing and it's conflicting or it's, it's geared towards promoting only their product and not really giving education. And, you know, my attitude is I don't want to be number 25 and the list just see that suck because somebody failed again, right? That, That, that honestly was, you know, kind of for like two years. I talk to people, and they're like, ah, I don't want to spend $20 in a soap. I'm like, just give up one eighteen 18 pack. One 18 pack. That's it. $20. <laughs> yeah.
0: And don't, don't drink pack. beer for one what? Saturday. You're fine.
1: Was, yeah. Well, guess what? Because then on, on the second day, you already killed your deer on opening day. You're sleeping in and everybody else freezing their ass off in their stand and you killed your deer. And you're already <laughs> drinking all the beer before they get there. So, <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's a winner, right? So, I really, it's, it's a crazy, crazy thing to think of, but, dollars, And as we kind of talk through this, um, you know, we're talking soil and soil health. pH is a huge thing that people, um, they focus so much on pH. And it's very, very important because the pH content of the soil establishes the availability of the nutrients that are in the soil to support the development of roots and to support the short-term and long-term growth of the food plot that you're trying to plant. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, the the pH, when it's low, it's binding nutrients up in the soil. So it means it's not, the plant can't access it. It's like knocking on the bulletproof glass, but it can't get through it, right? It can't get to what it needs. Mm-hmm. And what happens, what happens is if say you spend $100 on fertilizer and you stick $100 of fertilizer into that half-acre food plot, well, well at 7.0 or perfectly neutral soil, $100 of your $100 investment is available to the plant. makes sense. (laughs) But as soon as you start to drop and you get to 6.5, you start to lose... Automatically at that point, you've lost twenty percent. So that's there's your twenty dollars that you didn't spend on the soil test right away (laughs) by dropping by dropping to six. When you drop to six point zero, you lose twenty percent availability. And that twenty percent availability is the difference between marginal success, four to six inches of growth. And 18 to 22 inches of growth potential out of your food plot, right?
3: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: a lot of food and a lot of available food and a lot a lot of trips by your deer back to your food plot because there's actually something there to eat. And it's return on your investment of your time and your money, right? So that soil test is super super crucial.
0: Yeah, I uh, won't go another year without doing a soil test, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Because now I'm like, damn it. Now you
2: got to spend all that money on that uh, Trader Joe's alkalized water so you can spray <laughs> your food plants and get the pH level up. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah,
1: right. right. Pallet well, of that costs you know, five grand.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, right. Well, and, you know, pallet lime is so cheap. I tell people, like, you know, it doesn't cost very much to fix soil usually. You know, whether you use an ag lime. Um, or which is the big heavy dense, you know, that's a little more challenging, a little harder because you have to be able to have a tractor or equipment or hire someone to come put the bag lime out. It's so heavy and dense. My dumbass put it in my funnel spreader, thinking, "Oh, I'll just put pathway full." And I hit a bump and <laughs> folded the thing in. And here I am beating it off my tractor with a sledgehammer to get it off. it might have three-inch diameter tubes that make it look big and robust, but you know TSC, it's made pretty chintzy. So don't don't try this at home. <laughs> uh, it's pretty crazy, but well, you but guys yeah, offer a ton
0: of stuff, like just a bunch of different uh, seed blends and. Some stuff in here that I is really interesting to me, uh, which I guess is still uh, like the smokescreen and the uh, border yep. patrol. I think is a really great idea. Um, maybe you can explain some of those first, and then I'd like to like hear what your favorite blend is for just kind of if anyone's listening in any state, what would be like your go to blend? But yeah, I want to hear about border patrol and smokescreen.
1: All right. Well, border patrol is one of our staple products. Uh, we developed that. Um eighteen years ago, and it's you know it's uh, been continuing to be evolved uh, border patrol produces an eight to fourteen foot tall wall, of screen which we utilize in many, many different ways. So I will say ninety five percent of the customers that I have or that contact me have an issue with trespassers or poaching
3: mm-hmm.
1: or a neighbor sitting on their fence line shooting into their field at their deer. And so I'm not necessarily a huge hinge cutting guy I'm going in and trying to hinge trees. Most of the time they die and there's a lot of other things. We'll maybe we can get into that later in the discussion, but timber management is more my theme of what I do. Mm-hmm. But uh, on the border patrol, we create this screening. We create these buffer and these safety zones between neighbors and we block the deer movement and encourage them. It pinches them and you can create pinch points in open areas and, when you, when you look at a food plot and you're walking out to your food plot say in an afternoon and you can see it from a long ways away. And as soon as you, as soon as you do see it, it's a bright green, right? Well, you have to realize you're entering in the backyard, front yard, side yard, or bedroom of your deer.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: they're sitting in there just like you sit in your house and look out your back window and the deer in the backyard. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the greatest mistake that we make as hunters is our entry-exit strategy in and out of our properties to hunt. We're blowing the deer out to the neighbors. We're frustrated because we've been watching this buck for two years and the neighbor shoots it. There's a lot of different things that are going on. And the Border Patrol, for me, creates security. But it also forces buck movement into the food plot to check for does. So when, a, when you have a wide-open food plot, a buck can skirt all all the way around that food pot. He can just stand off in the woods and he can scan the open food pot. He doesn't have a reason to commit. He won't. Mm -hmm. He's not going to go put himself out there in the middle of the day daytime in the middle of that food pot. But as soon as I create these soft edge walls and as soon as I create this kind of maze effect on the inside and create the openings, I give him a sense of security. Deer are edge creatures by nature, right? They browse the edge of the field and look like somebody bowl cut it, you know, took a haircut, (laughs) you know, seven foot on down, there's nothing left on the edge of the field. Well, deer prefer soft type edge, grasses, um, you know, crops like cornfields, um, brushy type cover, they, stuff that, that breaks them up or makes them feel like they're, they're not exposed. Um, Yeah. And not exposed, but the softer with grasses and, and different things, they feel even safer because predators will not run where things like grasses and and such are hitting them in the face. They will run a trail. They will cruise through rows of, of uh, standing corn. They will do that. But unless there's a beat down trail, they will not be able to pursue the deer. And so That's it's interesting. very interesting. It's a very interesting thing that we found with Border Patrol as, as one of the advantages. As we create this perimeter, this outside perimeter around the food plot, we create, we, we leave a buffer between the trunk of the trees and some of the low hanging branches, which eventually will become licking branches or what I call fire hydrants for deer. <laughs> and we leave that hallway, right? <laughs> we leave that hallway. And what's cool is that that hallway is multi-purpose. So when I'm coming in the morning and I walk, walking towards my food plot, I'm blind to what's going on out there. It's dark. And it, maybe I have my flashlight and I'm bobbing around or my headlamp, right? And the deer are like, look at here comes Elmer Fudd out to the stand. We got to go.
3: Right?
1: <laughs> well, what ends up happening is that by creating this wall around the food plot, they don't see you coming or approaching. And you can walk between the timber edge and the edge of your, Border patrol or the edge of your food plot in that hallway, What that what is a, essentially a communication and travel corridor. What's cool about that is that you're able to skate by the deer. Let's say you step on a branch or leaves. They hear you, but they do not see you. They do not see you. They may not smell you, and they may not um, put all of their senses into motion. As soon as all their senses are in motion, they're out of there. Mm-hmm. But if you're only triggering that they may smell you a little bit or they may hear you, but they don't see you, more than likely they'll stop, they'll listen, and as soon as you walk on by, they go right back to what they were doing and they stay calm.
0: Right, because the the woods are pretty noisy anyway, so if a stick snaps, that's pretty normal for them.
1: It is, it is. But when when they can put their eyeballs on you, plus the smell of you, plus tripping um, the sound aspect they're gone. But because you're not, you have that advantage, right? So the Border Patrol um, advantage there is that in the afternoon, now you're going to use it differently. Instead of walking between the timber and the the wall, you're going to walk uh, a little slightly different path, and you're going to push through into your food plot, and you're going to walk on the inside wall because all the deer have been eating in the food plot, and they're laying off on the edges, chewing their cud. Mm -hmm. And so they're laying... essentially in their living room looking out at the Border Patrol wall, and you're able to sneak in, get in the back, get up in your stand, and then when they get up, they can't just walk through wherever they want on that wall of Border Patrol. Now, they could if they really wanted to or they were threatened by predators that can bolt through it, but they're very lazy, and they hit the wall. And all of the licking branches that I spoke about, Mm -hmm. those bucks, they hit those, and those are like fire hydrants for deer. They literally work those all the time. So... And and that's not just bucks, but bucks and does. And they work them 360 days, uh, 360, <laughs> excuse me, five days a year. And by having licking branches in that hallway, the deer feel safer using them during daylight hours. So what you'll find in the morning is the bucks take longer. And the more licking branches you have pulled down at the right height, the more times you stop the deer. And every time you stop, it's like time in your bank, time yeah, in your bank. A good point. It takes them longer and longer and longer and longer. So if you got up a 15 minutes late, if you have enough of Steve. those fire yeah. hydrants, <laughs> you potentially can still ca- capture a deer. You know, after your buzz wears off, you know, right, or whatever. See, that so, doesn't mean that you can
0: get out there at like noon every yeah. time and expect the deer to be still out there making scrape <laughs> forty five
2: licking branches out. See, Steve's yeah. got
0: Steve did put in the work. Uh, he put eighty eight licking branches out uh, <laughs> next to his border patrol. He's like, yeah, yeah that'll take him four hour. Okay, I can sleep until uh, here. Get out to the. I got stand- an extra hour.
2: Hell, yeah, the sun bitch is only at number thirty two now.
3: <laughs> and,
2: you know, I I really enjoy the this this product, but I'm actually offended by the name.
0: Yeah, I was was going to ask you as a joke earlier. Nick, when when we talked about it before the show, (laughs) you're like, I want to discuss Border Patrol. I'm like, what are you, one of those guys that think Trump's a bad dude for separating kids from their parents?
1: (laughs) ICE needs to be abolished. What? No, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) as <laughs> yeah, far product's been around a lot longer than Trump's been in the, in the position to talk about border patrol that's for <laughs> sure but uh Cameron but, had something yeah, yeah, to, yeah,
0: to get back on topic <laughs>
2: thank <laughs> you sorry <Cameron>. dude, there's <laughs> a bunch of bags of seeds in front I couldn't yeah. see it there yeah. is a smoke screen of uh the border patrols in front
1: yeah, of yeah. so the smoke screen so they, you know we're going back to my roots hold and, on can, uh, I, think I Cameron right had now, a <laughs> quick <question. laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. oh, Cameron's like back on topic Hey, a transition though uh so have you uh, back to my roots? <laughs> have you noticed if uh, deer bed closer
2: to the uh, food plots having the uh, border patrol up?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. And they'll actually bed in the food plots depending on how you set up the interior. So that picture that's on the website that you guys—I um, think you guys had the picture up uh, during the podcast right now. But that—it's yeah, our that cover that art—is is a-
0: what we use, I believe. Right? What I sent you.
1: Yeah, that one, yep. yep. So that's a that's just over an acre, an acre and a quarter field. And there's a perimeter screening with entry-exit points um, strategically positioned. And then in the inside, we have teed walls. They're teed off of one end, and then the other, you go over a little further, and it's keyed off the other end going back. Well, what that does... It forces deer in at a certain point. There's a wide open space. They don't feel overly constricted. They work in the food class. So this buck, for instance, he's going to check for does, and he's going to go to a food source. and he walks in that opening, and, he, and as soon as he walks in, there's a wall, say, 20 yards away. So he can only see that area that he's in. He he has to walk in. Well he feels he feels safe because of that soft edge. It's like a security blanket. So he walks in, he walks over to the wall and he walks up the wall, just like they do down just like they will down a, a fence row or a stump row between fields, right? They walk because it gives them that sense of security and they can jump and run multiple directions. They'll walk up that wall, but what is it doing? That teeth that teed off wall is taking him to the other end. If you Happen to be hunting over a food source, which I will do it later in deer. Um, and and I have nothing against it. It does work. But what this wall does is it takes a deer that has just absolutely frustrated you for years. Uh when you go to the north, he's on the south edge. When you go to the west, he's on the east edge, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, gosh, when am I ever gonna win this freaking chess game, right? Well, what this does is that it forces them into the food plot to look for does. He's checking the food source because the does are always in the food. And he's going to walk that, walk on the interior wall, and he's going to walk down to the end of that tee. And that is pinching, creating a pinch mm-hmm. of 20 yards. So if you have a tree stand mm-hmm. hanging just outside the food plot, at 20 feet in the air, he's got a a broad, high percentage broadside shot. When he turns the corner, he's going to peek around the corner. His focus is going to be in the next corridor, not on you Mm -hmm. moving, drawing your bow, doing any of that, right? Yeah, yeah. And and because he turns, what is he doing? He's giving you a high percentage kill shot, broadside shot, because he's going to position his body to give him the optimal escape and to still be able to look around the corner. And then once he feels safe, he's casual. So... We have killed some giant, absolute giant bucks. Our customers have killed some big bucks um, using that Border Patrol method. And the Border Patrol has food in it because it's safe that most guys and gals out there are working with an acre or maybe even smaller food plot, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't have these big four or five acre, 20 acre fields they're trying to plant and do all this craziness with. And They go, well, I have brush and I have trees, so I really don't need Border Patrol. I will tell you, Border Patrol can be more powerful than the food in it because it will force the bucks to commit to the field and to get into the plot, and it allows you to create pinch points even on small plots. So I love everything
0: about that product and that that blend because I'm just thinking if a guy has – a little bit of timber, but he has a big, wide-open flat spot or a pasture that he has access to plant, you can make your own almost maze and pinch points and funnels and you can design your own destiny pretty much with this stuff, which is such a fun thing to think about because you can take something flat where deer aren't going to move through in a certain way. You might not know what they do once they get out there. And you can really make them do what you want, like you were just saying. Like yeah. when that buck's going to yeah. come in at the corner, and he's looking around the corner, focus on that, and then boom, you make the shot. Like
2: you can never control a deer, but that's about as close as you can get is to make him go where you want him to go. That's yeah, that's, that's a amazing. awesome thought.
1: You know, here's a here's a thought. Maybe you guys have had this experience where you own the piece of property that has uh, more of an open field between two sections of woods, right? You have Say you have woods on the east and woods on the west with some open area in the middle. And your neighbor, just on the other side of the property line, has a finger that sticks out. It could just stick out eight feet. It might stick out 80 foot into the field. But it creates a shorter distance for the deer to cross over from one wood to the finger to get to the other wood. You're never, and he kills the big, biggest buck every year, hangs it up, drives it around, you know, drags it all over town. Yeah, fuck that guy. going you know? off and he kills yeah. the big buck, right? right? Yeah, and, What's you that? know, that may be you. I don't know. But <laughs> the guy with the, out of but the group. maybe. When, when you don't have that situation, you're like, damn, I'm never going to get ahead and I'm never going to kill that buck because he's got a blind on that side of the field at that point sticking out. He's got a blind on the other side of the field, depending on the wind, and he's going to capitalize on opening day every year well i've had my solution is to take the board stall right up to the corner of the fence on the west woods and create a hallway with the stroll. You plant a wall on either side, you create a hallway down the middle so that the deer can come into that hallway and I'm going to have no opening and i'm going to zigzag it around through the opening to my woods and i'm going to take it right into the middle into the guts of my woods so that they spend as much possible time in the woods, giving me and/or my family or my buddies. The best possible hunt, right? So I'm scaring the deer from that corner and I also will put multiple tunnel or multiple hallways across that open area and I bring them all to one central hub. And when I bring them to that hub, where am I? I'm in the hub. I have actually put, uh, built a four to five foot tall stand that's like a deck, like a deck, small deck and put a pop up blind on it and the border patrol grows up around that and you disappear. Mm-hmm. So now you have You have, let's say you have 100 yards across, and you put in four different tunnels, those deer are going to take 100 yards, you just shrunk it down, now you're winning the chess game again. Mm -hmm. They're going to go into one of those four tunnels, because they want to cross the field. They're not going to do it in a wide open area, they're going to go down that that tunnel, that safety hallway, Mm -hmm. and that safety hallway is going to go to that hub, and you then access to the hub and the blind from the outside of where any of those walls are, Mm -hmm. boom. See, and I love everything about that.
0: And I know we're powerful. making a huge selling point for Border Patrol. Is that something that a lot of people buy, or do you think it's something that a lot of people look over?
1: Oh, it's my number one selling seed next to Deepwood.
0: I was going to say on your so, website, it's like the number one uh, you know seed product up on here. So I was wondering, yeah. you know, if that's something that just people don't think about in depth, like we just explained, or you know what I mean? It, I didn't know because I, I didn't really I don't know think about. They
1: do. I don't think they do think like that. It's like an aha moment when somebody explains it. Like, I explained it like, wow, that really makes sense. I never thought about right,
0: it. Right, right. Because I didn't know about any sort of products like this. Because is it, is it a blend of uh, Cameron just spilt a beer in the studio?
1: First
0: up. Party foul. Party foul. Handle your business, bro.
1: Sparks flying on the board. Yeah, that's
0: the first beer ever spilt in the studio. This episode of the, this segment of the podcast is brought to you by Mana Coolers. Thank you, Mana Coolers, for providing cold beer so Cameron could spill a beer on the studio table. Leave it to the intern. Yeah, yeah, you're fired, bro. I knew. I
2: don't know what to do. You're not even an apprentice yet.
0: Okay, uh, I forgot what I was saying. Um, Oh, I didn't even. Is it? Is it like a blend of sorghum grasses?
1: So what it is, is it's our KST uh, structure and our KFP foundation. Now, the KFP foundation is a, is a real high-end sorghum that um puts down a, a solid root structure. It's very sound, and it's I call it the six-by-sixes, right? The pole barn wall of the wall, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things that are a lot of different grasses, and And uh, Egyptian wheats and other things that are out there that when they turn brown later in the season, they literally tip over at the slightest breeze, right? They're Mm -hmm. not structurally strong enough to sustain any kind of wind or weather. And so I, of course, tried all kinds of stuff early on um, when I started to work on creating a screening idea. And that's funny because it was, you know, motivated by one of my customers. <laughs> and, and I, you know, and I'm sitting here meeting, meeting with them and I said, hey, what do you, you know, what do you guys need? Right? What do you need more of? And of course the smart ass comment was, well, if you could get the deer to move during daylight hours, that'd be nice. Right? Well <laughs> my mindset is I'm like, oh, okay, that's okay. A challenge. Smart right? asses. <laughs> I got I got this. I got this. So I mean I played with everything. I did I did corns, I did Egyptian wheat, I did different sorghums, Sudan grasses, I did, did try to switch grasses, I just all different types of things. I'm thinking what is what is it that I need to do? I need to create a screen. How do I need to do it? I need to do it so it's as simple as possible because most people don't have the equipment most people don't have money or time etc and trying to do long-term switchgrass is is a son of a gun it doesn't grow everywhere it's not as it's it's a difficult thing and switchgrass a lot of times you don't know if you've been successful or failed for two years and you've got you know usually hundreds if not thousands of dollars invested into creating this screen. border patrol i can wrap a one acre food plot for 43 bucks And it creates this awesome screen, but it also has 40% food in it. And that was my point earlier when you have small food plots that most people can't afford to give a footprint of a food plot with food because it'll never support their deer by putting in screening. And so, Mm -hmm. again, early on, I said, hey, I have to figure out how to get this in there. So as I was developing a better screen in the the KFP Foundation, the 6 by 6 of that wall, I started to play with some other things to help me thicken the wall up because I started, it had to be 14 foot wide to create a wall. And if you took 14 foot all the way around the food plot, there wouldn't be much left of a food plot to put actual food in there, right? Right. It's pretty constricting. So, and the the goal or objective was to not be able to see through the wall late in the season when it turns yellow and brown, but it stays standing tall. So I accomplished the tall piece. the, The... the narrowing of the wall took me a while, and that was uh, working with our growers, and we we ended up with a um, a high grade uh, Sudan grass that has a very wide leaf. However, I was they, the two the sorghum and the Sudan were competing in the in the soil, and they were killing each other. They were doing the UFC throwdown, <laughs> you know, and choking each other. Check right? His ass. So. Right, exactly. And so they were not getting the height I was looking for that I had got originally with just the one species. The problem with the first one, I couldn't create a thick enough wall without going super wide. The problem with the combination was they were fighting with each other. So then we, we did some crossing. and We got some different species, and we crossed them. And we produced essentially the foundation and the structure, and they developed roots at a different Depth in a different intensity within the mix, and so we get we were able to get our percentages down. I did all the homework and all the hard work and the failure so that my customer can have success wherever they want to plant this thing, right? We plant this right. in Canada, we plant it all the way to Texas, we plant it all over the Midwest. It's very, very, uh, mm-hmm. it's very friendly products for successes. Um, it does like sun though, it likes a lot of sun,
3: okay? But
1: the footprint of trying to add food into the screen that was really challenging it took me about three years and to get the right combination and so we have in there now our kfp uh spring pea it's a climbing vining pea and that makes up that's 20 percent of the mix and that gives you mid-20s proteins for your young uh or for your fawns who are are still in that lactation cycle early the fawns who eventually get weaned from mom the peas those peas, the leaves and the vine, everything about that plant is edible. And it's one of the very first foods they can eat, and high protein at that. And so when you when you look at a killer food plot blend or a product that, of a seed species that's in one of our mixes, I have done the research, I have done the time, and I also raised deer in high fence for 11 years, so that was my test specimen. <laughs> but we really focused in on what about that particular species of, of or seed type and species allows the deer to utilize it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so when you, there's a lot of buzzwords about palatability and all this uh, digestibility and you look at all these products that are out there. The reality is that you really have to do your work and you have to understand that it's a balance between I have this great looking, gorgeous looking food plot and the deer eat it, and all they do is crap it out, and they don't benefit from it. Mm-hmm. It goes in one end, out the other, and being able to grow a good, sustainable, high-dense, uh, thick food plot that the deer come in and eat every day, they don't come in and gorge themselves to the point they eat it to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's a It's a fine line between the two things, and the... The peas and the forage soybeans, which are non-pod producers that are in border patrol, provide 40% um, with a mid-20s protein through the whole spring and summer growth of border patrol. And border patrol takes about 90, or roughly 90 days. It can go faster in high humidity and high high hot temperatures, which we all seem to have a lot of yeah. most of the time. Mm-hmm. And that can get, um, that will help also the wall in high deer density areas because you're supplying a different food and a more desirable food than eating that young screening. Mm -hmm. So the screening is allowed to get tall and not be consumed. Um, So that's sustainable. Now you asked me about smoke screen and smoke screen is a brand new product for us. We just launched at ATA in January. We've done some research and development on that particular product and the reason we developed that is that a lot of people this time of the year where are they they're at the lake they're at the cabin they're they're vacationing uh hopefully listening to this podcast yeah (laughs) listen to the podcast kick back drinking a beer on the beach in florida or you know whatever well probably not florida it's probably 110 degrees there but (laughs) michigan you know it's finally finally 90 degrees here but Taking a pole off the back, trying to catch some salmon or something in the big lake, but uh but the bottom line is that they are not thinking about food plots, right. They're that hunter that's, that starts thinking about food plots when they close up the cabin, they put the boat away, they pack the camper in the barn, and they're like, oh, finally, I did all that, my brownie points, my my cookie jar is full of brownie points, now I can go do my hunting right right and when and at that point, they've been perusing and and they're thinking about it. And they're like, oh man, check out that board so That stuff's cool. I can't tell you the number of calls again. Oh man, I want that. I want that. Tell me more about it. Well, I can tell you the first thing is it's pretty dynamic, but we'll have to see it next year to plant it because you can't plant it um, in the upper Midwest here, like Michigan, Wisconsin. You want to get it down by the end of July.
0: Okay, so we still, listeners still got a little time to get some order to get it out.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yep. We've got a, we've got a whole month to work with in the upper midwest. As we go south, you can buy a couple more weeks. So probably mid August, but smoke screen, uh, the smoke screen was developed so that I can offer a solution to get at least a seven to potentially 10 foot tall wall for those who are contacting me only thinking about fall food plots, not thinking about putting spring-summer plots in, with, or at least putting a border patrol wall up to plant inside of later. Mm-hmm. And the smoke screen develops in about half the time border patrol does. Oh. Cool. about 50 days versus 90 to 95 days. Oh, very cool. And... And the cool thing about the product, because I'm not one-dimensional in the way I think, remember I'm a solution-oriented person, it can't just do one thing, right? I'm like, hey, what what else can we make appealing? Because there's not going to be any food in this thing. Well, the sun is actually a food when it's young. And after it gets a little bit of height, it becomes less palatable and you leave it alone. And it makes a really nice screen. The KFP structure is also in that mix because the structure is a faster growing. It can be planted later, but that foundation cannot. And so we have a, we have one of the species of our KFD structure that was during our curve, learning curve that we blended with the sun hemp. And what that does is that creates the taller portion of the wall where the sun hemp only gets about seven, maybe eight foot tall. But the combination of the two creates, create the wall that we're looking for and we don't have to go wider than we do with border patrol. But sun hemp is a soil pounding soil builder. It pounds free nitrogen into the soil. So if you have a brand new spot and your soil is not the best, you know, mm-hmm. it will, it will actually build free, it'll pour free nitrogen into the soil for you.
3: Oh, and
1: man. while it's doing that, yeah, while it's doing that, it's pulling potash and it's pulling phosphorus from below back up into the soil or up into the seed bed. So it's conditioning the seed bed for your next food plot. So. Very cool. It's, it's, it's dynamic in the way that it works. It feeds, it feeds the KFP structure, because that structure likes nitrogen, but it produces far more than what's needed for the for that part of the mix hmm. and for so the building for the next food plot, or to cut the guts out of it and create the maze, right? You can plant a <laughs> whole field in smoke screen, and then go in there, and for fall, you can plant this. You can plant it in the spring or summer, so it could be an alternating product between it and Border Patrol, right? So Border Patrol is going to use a lot of nitrogen. It's going to it's going to um, require more nutrients to be grown. and It's going to take a longer period of time. And you can, but it, but it's more, it's dynamic in its own right where the deer don't pass through it unless they're threatened by the predators. Smoke screen is, is more of like, when you go through a car wash and you've got the spaghetti strings hanging down, right? Yeah. You know, you've got to envision that. Or like a thick thicket where you take your hands and open your fingers as wide as you can and kind of crisscross them over each other. That's kind of that that brushy thicket that the deer like to go hang out in and, and uh, feel secure. That's what smoke screen is more like. So it's not restricting, constricting. It's not directing as much. The deer kind of flow in wherever they want. In and out, in and out, and out. But it does create that structure to the point where it does force the buck to walk through a point, look for the deer, and if there's another wall on the inside, it's still forcing them to move, right? Mm-hmm. And it met the objective that those on vacation, those at the lake, those on the boat, those doing other things, have a product that they can still put in and benefit for fall in the smoke screen for their food plots to create screening. So they can slip out. After they watch their football game in the afternoon, it's about 15 minutes late, so they're standing and zip right on by those gear that are in <laughs> in their beds. Or or maybe they transitioned into the food plot, you know? You know, so. leave it
2: leave it to uh, an engineer to figure out the most efficient way to, you know, make any <laughs> any product. Like, that's nuts. You know, yeah, you have that smoke screen that's going to work for you. But also, yeah, like, you can it's conditioning the soil. It's working for you. Yeah, you, you right. are an engineer, man. I... <laughs> yeah, I
3: know.
2: <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's a gift.
1: I... I'm a deer geek, but I love it. You know, I I really, and and for me, I know at the beginning of this podcast, what we talk about, food plots seem difficult. They seem hard. They seem, you know, expensive or they seem like, you know, uh, intangible to people. And they're really not. But you know what? Everybody works their butt off for their money to pay their bills. The cost of living is expensive. Your beer, right? You got to buy your beer so. and uh, you got to have You know, you're going to have money for your hunting gear. You got to have money for the boat and the camper and taking the family vacation. And when it's all said and done, there's got to be, there has to be some value in the products and in, and the investment of the time you're putting into a food pot. There's got to be good value in it. And so, I'm also a very good keeper of the checkbook, not only mine, but my customer. And because they, it's extra money that they're spending on a product or they're spending on me to come out and do a console or me to put a food plot into them. And whether you work and you make $200 a week working a factory job or you make $200,000 a year in a white collar job, job, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that we maximize your dollar and we maximize your time and that the product does what it's supposed to do. And, and you know, I'm an installer. That's how I started, right? I didn't start with a seed company. I didn't start with a, a feed, a feed product. I didn't start with this great line of products we have. It was an evolution over time and I was installing for other people. So I was asking them to trade their money for my time and my expertise to put in food plots. If I failed, not a good thing. Right. And so I've always taken the approach with the product that I sell that I use it myself, and I go in and install food plots for, for for people that are paying me to do so in twenty-six states. I can't drive, you know, five six states away to put in a food plot and get a call that hey Nick, it looks like the Sahara Desert. Where the heck is this damn food plot at? Right, mm-hmm. I paid you to do. I can't have that, and so I I really value that. By taking the time up front and being the engineer, right, being a deer geek, and making sure that it's going to do it and perform the way it's going to perform, then my customer is going to have success. Because you know I don't want to be that number twenty-five on the list of species that suck, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just that we don't
0: want to be number twenty-five out of twenty-five hunting podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> hey, you still right. made the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta remain positive at all
2: points. Well, let's yeah. uh, let's transition to a little
0: bit.
1: They'll be the top of anybody's list for that, right? So.
0: Well, let's transition because I think those are two really good blends. I think you know, especially Border Patrol is. There's so many benefits to it that it's amazing. But let's kind of, I hate to say, let's generalize. But let's say the seed blend that you would put inside of Border Patrol. What one are you gonna pick and why? Um, that way we get a little more covered besides just those two products. I want to kind of go on and do like a regular food plot seed blend for you.
1: Yeah. So we have, um, our staple product that grows in sand, gravel, clay, uh, home, perfect, you know, Kentucky or Iowa soil is our climatize and our climatize is a staple in all of my management plans for the reason that it has the same teas and beans that are in Border Patrol. Again, highly digestible, highly palatable, usable, help the deer rebound, um, maximize their ability to absorb what they're eating, breaking it down, and utilizing it, less waste. It also contains buckwheat, which is another protein food source, easy, digestible, and it's a soil builder, so it's doing something for the soil. And previously, we had our KSP extra sweet sugar beets in this mix, in the climatize, and I have since this year migrated it over to our radishes, um, because I feel like it's a better fit for how many of our customers seem to have migrated into using it and in the different soil. So it will grow in beach sand, right? Mm-hmm. Historically, I used to say, well, what'll grow in beach sand here in Michigan? I said, well, you know, beach grass and rye, maybe, you know. <laughs> well, we, we were able to come up with, uh, the right the the particular species of the plants that we have or the the seed types that we have. And those are really good producers in that situation. They produce about three to four foot of, of uh, available forage throughout the entire plot. So the deer are literally way the stuff to eat it. So they feel safe and they, they're protected again. The predators aren't going to be able to get them. Um, We have some fawns that hide up in, in the, in the food plot and they stay really close and it, conditions them to come to the food plot during spring and summer, which is why spring and summer food plots get a lot of hunters the advantage that guys that only plant, guys or gals that only plant in the fall don't realize because they're already creating habits. These low pressure time of the year when you're not at your property, you're leaving it alone, you might be zipping in and out to check your cameras or whatever, but you're really not messing around in your in your in your property a lot. Mm-hmm. And that creates a lot of feeling of security. And as your border patrol is growing and your food's growing, the deer are instead of walking down the fence line and hopping to go to the north, they're coming to the south into your into your property. And it's part of their everyday routine. So that would be a staple. Our brand new product that because I feel like we needed a secondary product that people could plant in the early spring and summer and produce a lot of tonnage but not have to go back and plant in the fall. And that's our new white rage. And our White Rage is our KFC Extra Sweet Sugar Beets and the KFC Radishes. Mm -hmm. And that is blended at 50-50, plants between three-quarters of an acre and an acre, and it produces major tonnage. It was actually inspired by my customers, again, who who from the deep south don't really like to plant turnips because they feel like the deer don't eat them until January or February. Right, And two of the species in our Carnage Brascas, um our, our KFT turnips in and in a particular species of purple top turnip, and they felt like that that portion of the food plot wasn't really beneficial benefiting them during the hunting season. They needed something else, and they said, "Man, we love your climatized mix, but when we get cold, it kills the buckweed and the peas and beans are all gone, and all we're left with was the sugar beet or the and now the radishes." And so we put this together three years ago and started planting it. Um, And so from Indiana, Southern Indiana, Ohio, Illinois on South, um, we've been able to give a product that it it works all the way to the North as well, but it works very well down there to plant that in the early spring and summer. They browse on the radishes. They browse a little bit on the sugar beet tops, but that is a sustainable product that takes you from late spring, early summer, all the way through winter, um, as a plant, as a product. And, um, so that's that's a pretty cool um, adder that has come into you know our offering I should say not an adder an offering that we can give to our customers now and add some diversity because uh, Climatize is really hard to beat I'm not, i I still I still migrate to Climatize because it's three to four foot tall the tonnage it produces in a short period of time and it grows in a very very extreme conditions mm-hmm. but the white rage I think you know start to uh, hold its own and people are going to start to realize they can produce 10 to 15 tons an acre. That's a lot of food.
0: What do they say a deer needs an acre? Isn't there like a standard?
1: Well, they they are consuming um you know, they're consuming well, it depends on your deer, it depends on the amount of browse, but about um, you know, 2,000 pounds of food is what a whitetail is going to eat. Um And I'm trying to think what the timing was as far as the blow well, because they weren't only eating browse; they were eating seed pellet too. But um, on an average, an average diet, I think it's about 2,000. Can be up to about a ton a week in forage. No, not a week. A ton in a month.
0: Damn, and that's you know forage oh, that forage. could be like deep timber forage and everything like that as well.
1: Yeah, could it's browse, it's you know any kind of any kind of food that they can. Uh, they're browsing on it's all it's a variety and deer need a variety so it's not like hey i can just feed them high percentage protein pellets and they're going to survive when i did high fence, the most important thing was the natural browsing the green the green forage that we supplemented um that was really really important
0: yeah, very cool it's amazing how well i mean i shouldn't be amazed i should expect you to know all this stuff about your products but to me it's crazy you just know so much in depth but it just shows that you have put the work in to get the product exactly what you want it like you know the testing for border patrol and whatnot when you went through and
2: you even let it go for three years and you're like i know there's something here but you just keep chugging on
1: yeah well like i said man i i put a lot of heart and soul into what i do and i'm i'm inspired by the success of of my customer and hey they say i need this um we need the solution you know our groganics you know we talked about soil early on and you know synthetic fertilizers and all I've ever, ha- ever had to work with, really. I really haven't had anything to truly build sandy soil or rocky soil or how the heck am I growing in red clay in Georgia? Not very well. Remember, I felt like I was going back to being 18 or 19 years old <laughs> and feeling miserable. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, my buddies and failing with their money is different than failing with the customer's money, right? That many States away. So the, um, the need was there and we developed a product called Groganics. It's a natural based waterway safe fertilizer that builds and replenishes the soil. It started with our bulk version called hydration and the hydration is like giving the ground a big drink of everything it needs. The micronutrients, macronutrients, the bacteria, the organic matter, minerals, nutrients, things that are missing. You know, when you have sandy soil or rocky soil, the bottom's constantly dropping out. So any nutrients you add, they leach out beyond the reach of your food plot roots, your new newly developing plants. And clay, clay is suffocating. So you try to grow and you get three to four inches and you're like, yeah, I'm really going. And then it turns purple and it turns yellow and <laughs> it dies. You're like, oh, how, you know, well, this food plotting thing is impossible or it's too hard. I don't understand, right? Well, it's just because people don't, they don't understand how important the soil is in soil health. And so we really... Changed our focus for several years and we'd already developed our seed, our seed blends in this particular species and we had crossed some of the seeds that to get the properties we wanted out of them. We shifted over to how do I fix soil and how do I develop products that will deliver what we need from Canada to Texas? There's the challenges are very much the same. Now the soil might be slightly different. It might be dirty sand in Michigan and maybe uh, you know, it might be yellow sand in, in Florida, the high, high, hot temperatures of Texas, uh, hill country, the, the rocky ground in several states, upstate New York and, and all that area on the East Coast. Um, but at the end of the day, it it comes down to the quality of the soil, its ability to hold nutrients, and its ability to hold moisture and to give it to the plant when it needs it. And so I broke it down to real simple simple points, and we developed the Groganics to fix part of that. It builds the soil, replenishes the soil, and and starts to create some body to the soil that can hold and support moisture and nutrients. We have a fungi, for instance, that creeps and crawls through the ground. It's, an, it's a healthy ba- a healthy fungi. When you think about your front porch, and Charlotte's up there building their giant web on the porch, right? <laughs> yeah. some and you walk pig. up to that... You, <laughs> and you're sitting there looking at that thing going, man, I hate spiders. But you're looking at that thing going, man, that's that's pretty cool that they can build that in such a short period of time. But you stick your finger in it because you can't help it. You've been doing it since you were a kid, just to yep. agitate that spider. And the thing goes, and it goes away, and it's gone. And it has no integrity, no structural integrity at all. But if you were to leave it alone and leave her to her work, and it rains, and you come back the next day and you look at it, if you think about a spider web full of water droplets and you know how heavy and dense water is, you're going, how in the heck can that thing possibly hold that much moisture? Right? It's a spider web. I touch it, it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's holding a significant weight in itself. Well, the fungi that we have in our Groganics creeps and crawls and creates that spider web effect over in layers, over and over and over in the soil. It's collecting the moisture that's being leached out and it's depositing on that. The other cool thing that it does is it pre-tunnels the ground. It's creeping and crawling. So plants, when they have to put roots down, have to put Mm -hmm. energy into driving the roots down into the ground to get into the moisture and the nutrients. This fungi that you're working into the soil starts doing that work for the plants. We are getting, we are producing deeper, healthier, Root structures in our plantings as a result of the combination of things that are going on in Groganics. We are able to produce 30, 40, 50% more tonnage depending on the extremes of the soil that we're amending than you, than putting down say triple 19 synthetic fertilizer. Head and shoulders, three to four inches after a month of growth with triple 19 in a piece of soil in Mount Vernon, Illinois and some crappy old CRP field. This is my customer testimony picture. Um, we are, at the time I think the picture might even be on our website, to the side of the other side of the field where he took one pounds bag of organics because he doesn't know how to do math, he said. And he had that left. <laughs> and he did all the rest of his farms. He said, well, I'm going to put this in a five-gallon tar bucket, little uh, feeder, like, you know, that the batteries, and you can hang it in the tree. It looks like a tar bucket. He wired that up a 12 volt on his side by side. Well, he didn't buy something different, but hey, you know, he's innovative. And, uh, and they chung corn with it late season. Don't tell anybody down the edge of the woods so that they have some, you know, golden, golden kernel to draw the deer out of the wood. Well, they threw this 40 pound bag of organics and they zipped it through the food plot and you can see the maze of them shaking <laughs> around and they literally put that bag in about two foot wide over one acre in the zigzag they thought they were really zinging it out there wasn't going anywhere (laughs) but it's funny because it shows this bright fluorescent green area where they planted the current brassicas with 300 pounds to the acre textbook planting and they had they had you know three to five inches of growth after about three and a half weeks The side with one forty-pound bag of organics was eleven to twelve inches tall wherever the organics deposited. A two-foot trail zigzagging around this food plot. Very dynamic picture. Very cool. And that right there can show the dynamics of when you fix and you feed the soil and you give it what it needs and you release the nutrients that are there by adding the pellet lime and or ag lime. The potential the pure potential of putting the same effort or even less in this case, thinking about like they did out of a spreader, but <laughs> the potential that you have to be successful with just a few of the right tools in your toolbox to make it work. Right. And you're planting the right seed. That's another thing. People, like I said earlier, they want to go right to this one thing. I want clover. Well, clover is, is, is picky. It doesn't just grow anywhere, at least not quality clover that's digestible, And that's usable for your deer. You can grow a lot of different types of clovers and maybe not best conditions, but the deer are not going to favor it over other stuff. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at our resurrection clover, those particular species are what they are because they are favored. And when you plant them, the deer will use them. They will benefit from them. They will digest them. Um, and when you're thinking about, you're thinking about the food plotting piece, it's a soil test fix the soil, put the lime down, use Groganics. I'm telling you, it's, just, it's crazy good. And But the, the other the, the other thing I could never get over was this, this Mother Nature and her taking me to the mat on her drought. And she just kicking my butt with this drought mm-hmm. where she just cuts off the spigot, shuts off, there we go, no more water, sorry boys. And think about it, if you're a fall food plotter last year, and I don't know if you guys are or aren't, but fall food plotting was a horrendous last year because there was no moisture. Right. There was no rain. And people planted, all excited. Hey, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, right? They're out checking their trail cameras. Well, they might have pictures of deer, but they sure aren't in it. There's no food plot. (laughs) And it's frustrating. And so we've been developing a product over the last five years with one of my chemical engineer buddies. That is 100% organic pellet. that absorbs moisture and nutrients when they're available in excess. So snow melt, early spring, and uh, or spring and early summer rain showers, it's grabbing the moisture and it's drawing it down to itself. It's called retain. And it is a solution to the problem. I don't care what state you live in, Mother Nature at some point between... Late June, like we're in now, where we're in Michigan, we're going to be 95 to 110 uh, heat index this weekend. Yeah, let's do it. Can't been, wait. <laughs> yeah, we've been getting uh, we've been getting the rain, but generally we hit July and the rain just tapers off to nothing. And then we go into August, which is when the deer need to start finishing their bodies out and getting ready and building that you know finishing their body and getting ready for the pre rut. And they're not going to have supplemental food in our food plots if we don't do some work now
3: mm-hmm. while
1: the rains are available. And this retain is a small, it, it's about the size of, I would say it's a, uh, about the size of a a rape seed or a, a Nebraska turnip seed, about that size. It's very small. And at 12 pounds to the half acre, 24 pounds to the acre. It absorbs up to each one of those pellets will absorb 300 times its weight in moisture and nutrients. Damn, it is awesome. And I meant, did I send you guys some of that or no?
0: I don't think so. None of that. We have. Okay. uh I, I've been eyeballing this border patrol the whole time, but no, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't get any of that. No. But uh,
1: okay, I, I'm gonna send you some, and I know you know you can. I would like to send you some so you can play around and talk about it because it's a really interesting talking point. Literally in a, in a one liter bottle of water, if you take a, not even a half a teaspoon of this retained pellet and you sprinkle it in there, put the top on it, shake it up in about 10 minutes, the whole bottle turns into gel pellets. Okay. Just sucks that water up. Really? You add nutrients. Yes. It is, it's cool. It's very dynamic. And what it does in the soil is it's doing the same thing. High humidity, it pulls it into the soil. It pulls it to itself. And what it does is it stabilizes the moisture between the inside of the pellet and the soil surrounding the pellet. And it makes sure that 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 moisture, as long as it has it to give, that it keeps pushing it through the wall back outside for the plant and (laughs) <laughs> when it's absorbing, when it's absorbing nutrients and absorbing moisture and it's swelling, it's breaking up compaction in the soil. It's oh, naturally amazing. breaking that up. When it's, what it's also doing is, as it moves soil, it's allowing oxygen. So you're creating this super dynamic oxygen, um, network at the root level and oxygen is second only to moisture for plant growth. So if you can envision this, a bunch of, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make bigger than life, but let's say if you had buried a whole bunch of softballs full of water in your food plot, right, hmm. and that they had a them dissolvable- you know, this doesn't. This lasts for three years in the soil, too, by the way, and it's 100% natural, so it's 100% organic, so it just dissipates back to how it started, which is cool. So there's no oh, very cool. no plastic, no polymer, none of this garbage going back in because I do care about what I'm doing every day in the field. Mm-hmm. And But think about a bunch of softballs or baseball-sized things buried it full of water in your food plot, and all of a sudden Mother Nature shuts off the spigot. Well, guess what? We get to laugh for a change because we have invested in and put an insurance policy into our food plot yeah, right. by putting this retained. And so now as our it's baseballs amazing. and softballs start to give the water back, what happens is they, they move soil. They displaced it, right? And they created and broke up the compaction. When they shrink, they create even more space in the soil. And what does that do? It gives a huge influx of oxygen movement to the roots of the plant. We're in the drought. We have water, we're starting to give it back. We just brought in even more oxygen flow to the roots. We're kicking butt. We've got warm air temperature and warm ground temperature. We have the perfect, absolute perfect growing condition. And while everybody else's plots that don't have retain in them are starting to go dormant, shrivel up, become less available to the deer, your food plot is not only available, but it's growing at such an intensely rapid pace that as deer are the utilization is is rising during August and September during this drought period. It's their utilization of the plot is would normally be stressing the plot, is the able to keep up with the success of browsing and seeing the best growth it's seen all year.
0: And your neighbors all and, hate you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Well, that's all right. Well, yeah, so, they can hate us. Um, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a awesome. is always
2: greener on the neighbor's property, except for now yeah. when uh,
1: now that you've got the equalizer. So. Yeah right, right. Well, my neighbors don't hate me because remember I said I'll hunt, so I go <laughs> ahead and create this perfect oasis of you know amazing uh, area, and then they go off the property and and people kill them. So they all my neighbors love me. They kill oh, bigger I, deer I, than have I have to. time. So it's all good. They're I get back to them. Kissing your feet for a little <laughs> bit of
0: seed too, I imagine.
1: Yeah. yeah, a few of them, a few of them do buy seed from me and pick my brain as often as they can. So. Yeah, It's good stuff though.
0: Well man, you're so full so, you're so full of knowledge and all this, it blows my mind. It it does once you just start explaining it, like it's not that hard. You just gotta dive into it a little bit and it's like once you can learn it all, you know it. And like you said, it all starts at the solo test kit, which kicked my own ass over here, but uh <laughs> I I will never plan a game <laughs> without too, doing a solo test. I didn't test.
1: do it for three years. I didn't know I was supposed to do it, I didn't even think <laughs> about it. You know, I I didn't, I really didn't. And so I made the same mistakes, and that's what I tell people. You know what? I'm a rookie. You
0: know? That's fine, though. That's what, yeah, like you said, it's all about learning. And, you know, we're going to, I appreciate you sending us the seed. We'll get some of this out and uh, get to... We're uh, we're gonna have our learning curve on your seed is what it's looking like here. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> no, that's cool, man. No, that's great. And I think I sent you a few of the staples. You know, the Deep Woods. The Deep Woods is a really cool product. Yep. Um, it, it only it's the only product to have that rivals Border Patrol. And again, that's because you know seventy percent of the hunters are gun hunters and and you know and they're fall hunters in that. So they usually do fall food plots only. They don't necessarily do spring plots. And Deep Woods grows from full sun down to two and a half hours of sun it grows in poor quality soil or perfect soil it'll grow in ideal manicured food plots or it'll be uh the next best thing to a throw it up in the air and wish for the best it performs well under those <laughs> conditions too right. so um it's my answer to the number one seed in the in the entire world with that's full of ryegrass and less than uh acceptable forage for whitetails um and uh throwing it up in the air is the first word in the thing so um, the uh in the name of the product and so we really wanted to produce a higher quality product more digestible more usable for the deer but that would actually create success and usability for the for the consumer right because they're mm-hmm. still going to spend 3350 to buy a half acre bag of of deep woods right now that's not a ton of money but at the end of the day it's still almost 35 bucks for the seed and so it better freaking work. You know, and, and, you know, and, and for me, I really, I really pride, take a lot of pride in making sure that the products that we have in the bag are clean. They're free of weeds, free of noxious junk. If I have coating on any of the seeds in the bag, I will just apologize right now. I can't do a damn thing about it. So um, my growers, they all gave in and drank the freaking blue Kool-Aid, and they all have coating on seeds now. And <laughs> so what we do at First Plus, so I'm not a 23-year hypocrite of anti-coating, is that I make up for it in seed town. So in our clovers, we get 50% more clover in the bag than anybody in the industry. And we have we have about 30% coating now with our new crimson white clover added into that mix. It equates to about 30% coating. But we have all 90% germ seed. Um, and all of our seed species have a hard seed rating, which means it can be frost seeded. And oh, I, cool. I can't... Uh, which is promoted by a lot of people and a lot of companies out there. Frost seeding is a very cool way to do things, especially if you don't have tools and to implement. Um, it's a very... It's a very easy way to have success. Uh, but the problem is if you don't have hard, ra- hard seed rating on your seed, your success is little to none. And so then your money just went right out the, right out the window. So, so we want to make sure that when we're delivering a product, whether it's the clovers, um, it's the deep woods, it's the border patrol screening and all the things I explained about that, it has to have multiple uses. It has to have multiple benefits, not only to the deer, but to the person trying to plant it to have and set the stage for the opportunity to harvest, you know, the deer they're trying to trying to uh, chase mm-hmm. after. So um, it's it's a really it's a cool and clearly I'm passionate about it. I'm about jumping up and down the other side of the phone every time I talk about it because I really <laughs> I really truly like I, it's so cool because I. This this opportunity to come on your show, is I, I'm, I'm sure I, r- I have reached people I've never talked to before. They've never heard the craziness come out of my head. And they're like, <laughs> wow, that really makes sense, right? And when they use the product, I try not to over-speak it because I, I want people to start jumping up and down and go, holy cow, I've never been able to grow a food pot that looked like this. I've never had deer use a food plot as much as they use this food pot, you know? Right, and, right. That, that is like a happy papa moment or something, you know. <laughs> I'm right. just super, super well, geeky. Like I geeky said, pictures, you know,
0: that you're that excited you know? about it. You know, if I'm a consumer and I'm going to buy something, if, you know, if I'm wanting to get into food plots and to hear someone talk the way you have about, you know, you can tell you have a lot of passion for it and you know what you're doing. You know, you want to buy from someone like that that feels that way about their product because if you're just nonchalant, you you know, it's not going to excite people to want to mm-hmm. check it out at least. Mm-hmm. So, no, it, it's refreshing. Yeah. And that's most of the people in the industry should be that way, and I think a lot of us are, um, but there's some that aren't. But, you know, it's, it's always nice to hear that, and that's part of the reason why we do this podcast is to talk to people that are passionate about our industry as a whole. So, man, we really appreciate you coming on. Where, where can people find you? Um, at social media, online, all that.
1: Well, I, I really appreciate it, you guys. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm glad to be here, and I'd be happy to come on again and talk about – Anything you ever want to talk about, Uh if you have specific questions from, you know, your listeners or, or, or specific topics, you know, we don't have to, have to jump on for an hour, but I'd be more than happy to talk about it and, and spitball it. And, and, you know, if I don't know about it or I don't know enough about it, I'll, I'll do the research and I'd be more than happy to, to uh, put it to test and, and try to find a solution. So,
0: Well, one thing we can do, uh, if you're going to be at ATA this year, we can always rock a, a a short episode at ATA Show. We like to do the mini-episodes when we go to trade shows, so we can always rock one there. We'll, oh, uh, yeah,
1: that'd be great. I Absolutely.
0: have a feeling that we might be hanging out with the great, great fellows at RubLine Marketing. So,
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, they're good guys, man. really love those guys. and They're hard-working, too. They are definitely passionate about what they do, and they work hard for us that's for sure so
2: you know assuming that uh, mike doesn't take a restraining order out on me after the assault charges get dropped you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay see uh, i'm just saying dude <laughs> big mike don't want the smoke i'm just saying
0: yeah okay <laughs> okay do we lose him <laughs> Oh, he's still there. No, he's he don't be smoking
1: the smoke screen. Don't be smoking the smoke screen. Yeah. You get a definite headache. It's foggy you in here. Any of, that, uh, any of that brown hemp you ever uh, you know might have tried in your life, it'll give you a headache. Yeah. So.
0: That Reggie Brown?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: There's Too many seeds in the bag, bro. Yeah.
1: <laughs> They're yeah. like all seeds. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that would make you sterile, man. Don't be smoking those. <laughs> oh,
3: that's
2: amazing. So, uh, guys, just to uh, just to refresh, uh, don't smoke anything. Thing out of the uh, bags when you buy killer food plots, okay?
1: No, please don't make me put that on a disclaimer. It's not for human uh, consumption out of the water bomb, okay? Right.
0: Watch it. By the time ATA comes around, all those bags have that, and it's our logo next to it. Dude,
2: it's the killer food plot challenge. Like, all oh, these sons of bitches, the Tide Pod challenge isn't good enough.
0: Like, damn it. We're ruining the industry one podcast at a time. There they go. Look at him slam uh, that chicory.
1: Uh, if you want to do a contest, you'll grow some, uh, some uh, KFT radishes. And then, uh, the contest is how many golf ball sized KFC radishes can you eat before you have fire out of both ends? So they're, they're sure. <laughs> <Boy>. <laughs> That's a little healthier, uh, uh, experiment and, uh, challenge for people, but they are pretty darn hot. They can literally burn your tongue. So I, I do I eat out of the food plot when I get hungry, but not the small ones
3: in so
0: the morning. We should do that with Steve. That'd be, a, we could do it on video. How That's- much prime rib do
2: I get to eat to, during? because son that's not a challenge and if i get prime rib and then we'll just mash that shit in the sauce what's up what's up that's awesome oh my gosh uh, well uh, man
0: i forgot we have social media questions um i'll hit some some um is a lot of what okay. we've kind of talked about um Trevor Berwick, if we have time, we can I can go through these. If not, we can hit them another time. But
1: uh, oh no, you're fine, man. Go ahead, uh, whatever you want to do. I'm good.
0: Trevor Berwick asks, "What's the ideal size and shape of bow hunting food plot and uh, favorite crop for late season?"
1: Um. So what I my favorite is the Carnage brassicas. Um They produce five to seven tons an acre. All lettuce variety brassicas. Um, highly, cons, cons, I mean, we have converted more customer that followed other seed companies over to killer food plots with that because it produces uh, not only really a healthy quality food plot, but it produces success in the field and harvesting great deer. Um, The size and shape of a food plot, um, winding, curving, is better than great big wide open rectangular food plots. So if you have a rectangular food plot, we use the Border Patrol to try to create some structure like we talked about earlier, smoke screen, mm-hmm. and try, try to create that, that feeling of security and more of a maze, winding feel um, versus that big wide open kind of, you know, Exposing themselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, as the overall size of a food plot, I think a most effective size of a food plot is about two, two acres or less. But it needs to be big enough for the deer to bother to come into.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you can certainly set up a little eighth-acre kill plot that can be along a travel corridor that can stop the deer, so it doesn't have to be huge. Um, it can be a series of small food plots because the benefit is it allows you to slip into your stand and slip out without bumping herds of deer on big wide open fields um you know so hopefully that helps helps i think he said his name was trevor hopefully that helps him answer that question
0: all right i'm trying to pull up the other questions my (laughs) computer just decided i don't want to mess around with whatever i'm doing right now welcome
2: to small town illinois internet it's bad You pay the same price for everybody else's uh, internet, but uh, you get less quality. He's
0: trying to get a good service over here, you know, bro.
1: Yeah.
0: What well, the? Well,
1: I thought I feel about cell phones, man. You can talk to astronauts on the fricking moon, but I'm in downtown metropolitan Detroit, <laughs> and I heard Grand Rapids, and I can't even talk on my cell phone. It's crazy. Oh, it dropping was... calls, like mad. It's so
2: bad. <laughs> See, that's how you know we didn't actually land on the moon because that reception was too clear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, a, no damn way. Yeah. In 1969, dude. I, I've had drop calls on landlines. Come on now. Okay,
0: Southern yeah, right. <laughs> Southern, Southern Outdoor Northern. Chronicles writes, "What to plant for the Mississippi heat?" My car says ninety nine at five o'clock on the way home. It's killing my plots.
1: So, um, we have done a lot of experimenting with uh, our KFP chicory and the climatized and some of those species and the climatized. Seems to do extremely well in heat. The chicory, when you, especially if you frost um or get it in early in the spring, or put it in in the fall, is, is a is even better because it gets a good establishment of roots. But the chicory, our KFP chicory, is very very thin. Um, it produces forty plus percent protein, and it puts down a fourteen to sixteen inch taproot the size of your pinky. So it's very drought tolerant. So oh, our guys from Fired Up Outdoors and a couple of other teams. And some of our customers in the southern Oklahoma area, um, that is the only thing that's been staying green in the middle of the 100-plus degree temperatures for 20-plus days um, is that, you know, uh, the climatized and the chicory. Of course, the Border Patrol is going crazy. Their Border Patrol down there is like 15-foot tall. It just blows my mind. But um, but those those are, I would say, would be staples for the heat um, as opposed to white like clovers, which only put down – Without Groganyx, they put down about three to four inches of roots, right? Mm-hmm. So with organics you're going to get, you know, eight, even 10-inch deep roots going. So that can also help. The deeper that you can get the roots and the earlier you can get the plant established before the excessive heat comes, that will help. And you want to make sure that if you have a perennial that you don't mow it ahead of the heat. Um, keep it thick, even if there's weeds in it, go and just mow the tops of the weeds so they don't produce a seed head and 10 bajillion more competitors in the soil. Right. But leave your actual food plot alone. Just knock the heads off of the, the weeds, whether you do it by hand or you do it with a, a, a brush hog up in the air above your plot. Um, that can help those, those situations as well.
0: Okay. And then there's a couple questions in here. Uh, one person asks, what food plant? now around the week of july 4th that would still grow and be good through the winter and then somebody asked about uh weed control um just just to keep the weeds out of your plot in general
1: okay so the first question was what do i plant that can last further into the the winter months is that, is that correct yep okay So Kerns, Deep Woods and the new White Rage do uh, a good job of that. And I understand that I I will have to apologize. Smokescreen and White Rage are not on the website right now. Okay, there's a hole in my wall from beating my head into it. But the boys at Red line Marketing are going to save the day, so you hold on, and Grant, and get <laughs> right. us rolling here. The, Chad, uh,
0: Big Mike, get our shit together with yeah, boys. Yeah,
1: Big Mike, they're, they're, it's not them. They I are know. <laughs> uh, saving the day. They rode into town on a white horse and said, look, we're going to take you on down the cross-finish line, so hopefully in the next week or so those will be there. But if, if anybody's interested in those products, um, there's a lot on social media, and you can reach out to us that way, or you can call me directly. My cell phone, my back pocket. I'd be happy to help you, um, or you can reach out to us through uh, email. But um, those are only two products. So everything else available on the website. The uh, the Carnage Brassicas produce five to seven tons an acre. They are sustainable. They sustain under um, under the weight of the snow and the ice, and they continue to provide a lot of food and a lot of easily digested food. Deepwoods, um, our Deepwoods blend I mentioned earlier can grow from full sun down to shade. It can produce a lot of tonnage in in brassicas. And then it also has cereal grains and our new crimson white clover, which is a crimson and a white that we cross. And it produces 20 to 25% more tonnage, so they're able to get some good high, pro- highly digestible protein. The cereal grains in rye and wheat are important because they stimulate the digestive system inside of a whitetail and you guys have probably heard like your deer get plugged up or their system starts to shut down in the winter or if you overfeed like corn and without some other supplements, they can get kind of deer can get bound up, right? And they're not doing very well healthy. The cereal grains and the browse from them help to stimulate their digestive system and keep it working efficiently, helping them feel better, helping them maintain their energy and, Ultimately, keeping the stress down on the deer during the late season in the winter and get them on through to the spring. So those three between the sugar beets, the radishes, the rape, the turnips, the um, the kale, and some of those uh, cereal grains, those are the staples for fall winter uh, sustainability in in the in the killer food plot lineup.
0: Very cool. Okay, let's get one more in. Uh, Hogan Smith. What's the latest you could get a clover plot in in the ground and be successful?
1: Uh, the latest you can get a clover plot in? I, I actually, we're going into the month of July. It's very difficult um, this time of the year to plant to plant uh, clovers because of the competition between Mother Nature every 15, 10 to 15 days or so she's producing a different weed or there's grass competition going on in the food plot. So what I would suggest right now is to start killing the plots off as she's producing different types of grasses and, and weeds continue to, to turn the soil, allow the grasses and things to grow, kill them off, get as clean of a food plot as you can, disc the plot at the same depth over and over, and then when, when we hit about mid-August, um, you should have a clean palette, a clean canvas to work with, and that's when you can seed in your your resurrection clover and your KFP chicory. You can blend those two together, get them out into the plot. At that point of the year in late August, mid to late August, you have essentially will be on the outside looking back, looking forward. Mother nature is not going to be producing all those weeds that she does this time of the year. It's going to give you the best opportunity to establish your perennials. And then what they're going to do is they're, they're, they're going to grow up fairly, fairly quickly because you're going to have humid temperatures. So they're going to develop and produce green out of the ground. They're going to give that high protein to finish the body of those deer going into the most stressful time of the year, which is pre-rut followed by rut. And then over the winter months, They're going to allow those perennials to expand and establish an even stronger, more intense root structure that going into spring, those two in the KFP Resurrection, clover and chicory, will be the first thing to green up in the spring, and they will not allow the grass and weeds because they have developed that strong root structure over the winter months to invade the food plot, and you'll have a much healthier, longer-term um, opportunity at a five- to seven-year perennial food plot with success and not having to, to deal with as many weeds and grass uh, situations. So,
0: Very cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for submitting those questions. Man, awesome answers. So much information in this episode. I uh, can't thank you enough. Thanks for sending us out some seed to play with and uh, cut our but, teeth on food plots.
1: <laughs> i am be sending you some retain, too, man. I can't wait for you guys to do that. you got to do the bottle test and maybe share it on social media maybe do a live video or something that way and share it with your listeners so um, that's so- cool
0: soil tests will be happening especially uh next spring when we start from a completely <laughs> fresh slate new, time. New, <laughs> new, new year new me you know soil test
1: yeah there we go hey, it's, it's never too late to start so
0: that's right I'll, I'll learn i just got my lease where i can start planting my own stuff so i kind of have my freedom now so i'll learn as i go i guess here but uh i'll I'll be re-listening to this episode i can tell you that for sure (laughs) awesome so hey we appreciate it man uh
1: yeah thank you
0: Tank, steve you guys got anything to add
2: think i'm good my head hurts. That was a lot of See, information. Yeah.
0: I just sat through class. You're gonna have to re-listen to this and take some notes. Okay. I know. I have to. 88 licking branches. You can sleep till noon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you, you go. get out. And no, most important fire thing.
1: Fire hydrants, man. You need those fire hydrants. So that's you Gotta have them. Only thing you Steve can them.
0: remember is like you're gonna go home. Back. I can't remember if he said I can or can't smoke the smoke screen. <laughs> so I'm just gonna try it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna try it. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> nice. So hey, man, we well, appreciate it.
1: Hey, no, thanks, guys. I uh, definitely appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we can help some people uh, learn some stuff tonight and they'll have greater success for it.
0: So, I'd say that... You
1: can, they can check us out on killercoupots.com and, and or on social media uh, if they have any further questions. All
0: right, awesome. Yeah, I think people are going to learn a lot from this one, but stick around on the phone, everyone. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We appreciate the hell out of you. Go to iTunes, wherever you listen. Give us a five-star rating if you've been enjoying the shows lately. we got some big things coming. I think next episode we got an announcement that we can finally release officially, uh, so look around for that. But it's summertime. Have a good 4th of July. Go shoot your bow. We love you. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast.